creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. Friday, August 2nd, 2019, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Karen Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios are on the ones and twos, our illustrious brother, Chandler Strang. Hi. <laughs> on the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. In Nashville, Tennessee, author, speaker, podcaster, cowgirl extraordinaire, Annie F. Downs. Good morning, and jo- gents and lady. That's right. And joining us from the, the She Shed in Austin, Texas. No, the what the tiny house studio. In Austin, Texas, author, speaker, podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Welcome. Thank guys. Glad to be here. And Jamie. I'm here with my girl. Oh my gosh. This is like our dream come true, you guys. Y'all it aren't going to get to talk at all. Jamie and I just have a lot to cover because we haven't seen each other in a couple <laughs> Wait, weeks. Cameron, let's just sit back for a minute. Let's let them handle, handle banter this yeah, week. I, I would like to point out that for real, as a, I don't mean this as a joke in any way, shape or form, a oh major value of relevant is gender equality. And it only took us 783 yeah, episodes say, of the podcast today. to have two women and two men together on the podcast. Uh, Chandler, sorry that he doesn't count oh. you. Or Jesse, sorry oh, he doesn't okay. count you. He's the neutral. He's you got to figure out which one. That's the real battle now. Who is he not co- counting? I don't think anyone really considers me a grown man. So I take no offense. I am a child. And- I have two, ch- two male children. And me, and then, you know, <laughs> speaking of male children, you oh notice my tag along the last couple episodes, my, my nine-year-old uh, is not on the podcast today, yeah. though, he, though he is in the building. He yeah. asked, <gasps> he's, Wait, he's in the building, but he doesn't want to be with us? He didn't want to come on the podcast today because last week, the last episode that we recorded, I, have a You're not gonna leave this, Jamie. I will no longer be publicly shamed Literally, about this. Literally, Jesse made my son cry. Oh like, my for gosh. real, Jamie. For Terri- real, for real. Terrified him <laughs> so Jamie, much. You, I feel like everyone else on this podcast is judging me. I feel like, Jamie, I feel like you get me. Am I the type of person, in your opinion, that makes children cry? What is this? Your silence answering. Your silence is deafening, Jamie. I thought you were on my he, side here. Did he cry on air, Jamie? Yes. The truth is, is that he started talking about haunted scarecrows in his room and haunted when he was dolls. staying at Cameron's house, yeah, where ha- Cohen lives. Haunted dolls that are ha- yes. roaming our house and our office and and are terrifying. And Cohen was sitting there, and we're we're doubled over laughing because it's so ridiculous. Some of the stuff Jesse was saying, you know how he goes. Of course, right. we're doubled over laughing, and I look over, and Cohen was yelling ish, you know, but like it wasn't with laughter. And he said, "Dad, Dad." And he had tears in his eyes. And then he was yeah. really crying. And he was crying because what Jesse was saying was so terrifying to him. <laughs> Bedtime that night. Have you apologized? He did apologize. I took Cohen to Wahlburgers yeah, after yeah, yeah. the Tell recording. This part. And, I, and I wanted to sit down and talk man to man with them and just kind of encourage him and let him know. You know, he has a sensitive heart. And I just wanted him to know it was all jokes. I'm so sorry, buddy, and all this stuff. And I said, Jesse's really sorry. Jesse's been texting me and he wants you to know how sorry he is. And Cohen looked at me dead in the eyes and he goes, I don't accept his apology. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like wow, okay, this is actually real. Yeah. I expected oh. this type of hostility from Annie. 
from Cameron, <laughs> frankly, indifference from Chandler. But Jamie, yeah. I didn't feel like it. You know, you had your chance to come to my defenses and you just left me <laughs> hanging out to the dry. Like I'm the bad guy going around and intentionally making children cry. I've said this before. My comedy is edgy. It is not safe for the little ears. And I refuse to age it down. Even if it's going to cost a few children nightmares and tears and scars they'll carry for the rest of their lives. I mean, didn't it take like an hour to put him to bed? I mean, Cameron was texting us and being like, I I can't get him to go to bed. I finally texted them at 10 p.m. saying, thanks a lot. Bedtime literally took over an hour because it was like, it was all coming back and like he like had to reassure him. We had to pray. I mean, like all these things because the little thought images or whatever that Jesse put in his head, he couldn't shake him. And and I, at lunch, I was telling him, I was like, you know, Cohen, we're just being ridiculous. And like, you know, just the whole thing that Jesse does, he just goes on runs and just it's all made up. Right. It's all ridiculous. It's not true. And he goes, Dad, just sometimes I think Jesse takes things too far. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's Jamie, my favorite line. Where's that piece well, of Jamie, Jesse, now that you know the this is what context. I love about you is that you take things too far. It's so funny to adults. Right. But I could see how you could go farther and farther and farther. And there's a sweet, innocent nine year old boy. When the haunted you cannot go to bed. When the haunted That's doll it. that looks like young Cameron <laughs> emerged, who Je- actually looks like young Cohen, is the scary part too. A young Cameron is Cohen. In Jesse's story, uh, it emerged slowly from the ball pit <laughs> at our office. To be fair, yeah, when he That's- emerged from the ball pit, all he said was. Someone come play with me. That can be interpreted in many different ways. It can be interpreted as playful. It can be, frankly, interpreted as demonic. But that's not my fault. That's on you, the listener. Cohen jumps in the ball pit a bunch of times during the day. And uh, and he said to me that, that night when we were going to home, he's like, I didn't go in the ball pit this afternoon. I wanted to, but I couldn't. Like I was about to jump in and I kept thinking about what Jesse all right, said. All right. The oh judge, judge Jamie here. This is Judge Jamie's court is presiding. Now that you know the oh, full context good. of this story, who is in the wrong? Me or everyone else on this podcast? The decision is yours. <laughs> Jesse, I'm going to have to high. say that you are. You <laughs> took it so far that this poor little child. Yeah. Wow. yeah now, that's it. Uh, in that's your defense, it. Jesse, I would say that most, I would guess most of the relevant podcast listeners are over the age of nine. And so I think yeah, that you were safe with your storytelling. They're just, Happened to be a child in the room. <laughs> well, we do get a lot of tweets from parents who play it in the car and I the kids. Said, I, listen. Oh, good. I have never so traumatized more than just Cohen. Okay, yeah. we're good. Yeah, there's a generation I, coming up in the church. That yeah, listen. yeah, yeah. I have. So he's in the building, but he won't come speak to us. Will you get him to just come say hi? I, he just poked his head down the hall. He was grabbing a little snack. He ran away. And, uh, and, he, and ran he saw start. that I was recording and he waved and walked, walked the opposite direction. Oh, I hate that I, so I much. This. I don't ever I want Cohen to be scared. I have never told anyone to expose my outrageous brand of politically incorrect humor to their children. It's not safe for children. <laughs> it's not safe for any snowflakes out there who can't oh handle a couple of edgy haunted doll jokes. I, <laughs> I refuse to extract haunted dolls from subjects that my humor is allowed to cover. Well, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up, do we? What, yeah, we do. After this, we cleared the air. We've said it straight. We have let the world know that Jesse has a dark, cold heart. Jamie, how did how could you do this? <laughs> and I by was default, expecting now Cohen does you too. to take my defense, but I. <laughs> Once again, lone wolf in it. That's fine. That's fine. (laughs) 
Yeah, that should tell you more than more than enough, buddy. Uh, Hillsong uh, coming up later. Hillsong worships Brooke Ligertwood uh, joins us to discuss their powerful new single, King of Kings. And then after that, it's a gender equality edition of Ask the oh Cast. Oh. You guys have been sending us a bunch of great questions. And uh, we're very excited about that. You don't want to miss it. Um, okay. Well, on that note, we'll move the show along. Stay tuned up next. It's the hot list. You're listening to Church's song is Do I Want to Know. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Coin with their new single, Crash My Car. All right, it's time for... It's the hot list, the hot list. It's sizzling. Speaking of, sizz, speaking of sizzling, <laughs> good segue. This first, this first uh, number five on the hot list has to do with flame. Yeah, I'm just going to say this real quick. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to play it pretty safe on the hot list, guys. Just letting you know, I don't want to offend any, uh, any. Yeah, right. You are any, any. I don't want to offend anyone on here. Everyone's very sensitive today, and I will be playing it very safe. <laughs> My God, can I be totally honest? I kind of, I'm, I'm realizing now. I remember this morning, Cohen asked me, like, Dad, can you not bring that up on the podcast today? <gasps> oh no! Oops. Cameron! He's really sorry, buddy. And listen, this is another tough love lesson. And the lesson is never fully trust your father. Cameron! <laughs> he just told you this morning not How to bring it know? up. I forgot. That, well, he, yeah, he doesn't listen to the show. So, but I'm not yeah, going to lie. Yeah, he's for sure not listening to this episode. And dear friends that are parents of Cohen's friends, don't tell him. Don't yeah. tell him. Yeah, I feel bad. I feel like now that pastor that embarrassed the children by telling yeah. all the family stories in the pulpit. Yeah. I'm sorry. Can, can I, you are that guy. J- Jamie, let me ask you this. You, you are, are a very prominent writer and speaker and podcaster. Do you ever, do you ever like stop yourself before using anecdotes with your own children? Like, it, you know, it, as like analogies and stuff. Well, I do now because sometimes my kids will be like, my mom listens to your show. And I'm like, oh, great. Thanks a lot for kids, parents, yeah. listen to the show. But when I'm speaking, I always ask, is this recorded? And if it's not recorded, yes. I'll throw all my kids under the bus. I'll throw anybody under the bus. <laughs> if it's recorded, nobody gets thrown under the bus. That's right. I always ask first too, Jamie. So, really? so, yeah. so your, your guys' yeah. rule is, you know, if they don't know, it won't hurt them kind of the situation. Yeah. <laughs> no, the rule is if it doesn't go on the internet, they don't know. Yeah. That's right. But that, and I have big kids now. So I have a 15 year old. He can yeah. find things. And yeah. so I got to be careful. Annie, do you ask if something's going to be recorded? Because if it isn't going to be recorded, I know what you're, you, say. you're a lot looser with your swearing. Because <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that traumatized Cohen last week. I did week not know what you're going to say. Was, I take that back. Was that he was on the headphones pre-show and Annie was fumbling around and got frustrated with something and cursed. And I said, just Annie, barely. Annie, my Cohen's listening. And, at, and I didn't after know the Cohen show, was there, Jamie. he said to me, Dad, did you hear Annie say a bad word? And I said, Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I felt really bad. It didn't mean it slipped out. You both I, traumatized. I'm working really this? hard on it. This, is, this has been a very uncomfortable start to the show for everyone. 
Why don't we put a pin in all this hate towards Jesse and just move on? Just have a clean break and start with a hot list. This is a big news story. Cameron, why don't you bring us to item this number is five? Number five. It's a huge update. Uh, last week, we brought you the, uh, the news that finally... The five-year lawsuit that uh, Christian rapper Flame brought against Katy Perry was in, finally in court last week. And this week, the jury has announced their verdict that, yes, indeed, Katy Perry did rip off Christian rapper Flame. That's incredible. It's a big deal in the music world. So for context, the copyright violation case, it's been going on since 2014 when Flame filed a lawsuit saying that a key part of Katy Perry's 2013 hit single, Dark Horse, ripped off his song, Joyful Noise, a single off his Grammy-nominated album in 2008 called Our World. Uh, The lawsuit also added that the, quote, the devoutly religious message of Joyful Noise has been irreparably tarnished by its association with the witchcraft, paganism, black magic, and Illuminati imagery evoked by the same music in Dark Horse. So Perry and her team, um, the the production team uh, was led by kind of controversial producer Dr. Luke. They claimed that they've never heard the track, but in spite of that, a jury determined that they were guilty of copyright infringement it's uh, uh, the uh, the settlement and the the penalty, financial penalty and stuff is being determined right now. So. Did Katy Perry help write that song? <clears throat> I believe is so. Is she one of the writers I, on I it? I think I read today. Well, this is what Flames. And again, this is being like this part of it is being litigated literally as we're speaking right now. Like so we're recording midweek and in there. That's a big time hot list. Hot take. If it's happening right now, fresh right out now. of the oven. And so what uh, Flames lawyers are claiming is that the song um, has made $41 million, of which Katy Perry's take is about $3 million because it's a massive production team. Right. On those pop albums. So, you know, it, it, it'll be really interesting. But Capitol Records has said, yeah, but we pay tens of millions of dollars. Like, it, you know, the profit margin that Capitol Records is saying is I think they're saying it's like under a million that they actually made after all said and done. But either way, uh, Flames likely in for a, a, a nice little payday here. I uh, Derek Miner, who was on the podcast last week um, or Tuesday, I guess. He tweeted after the verdict came out because he's a producer, a music producer and artist as well, that most producers contracts uh, in, indemnify the artist that the producer takes legal or uh, states in their contract that all samples are either cleared or original, like it's original music or if it's something a sample that's been cleared and that it's the responsibility of the producer, not the artist. So Katie's in the clear Probably, depending on how the yeah, contract. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Is her like name she didn't on know. the like, like did she know or did she get a call one day like, hey, there's a there's this problem with Dark Horse. And prob- honestly, it's usually artists like that. Even if they're part of the songwriting or lyric writing process, the tracks and the beats and stuff are brought to them by the producers. You know, it's like, yeah, and maybe know. they craft it and build it together or whatever. But like that base, that core underlying music. Is is probably brought to her, and she maybe picked it. Like, oh, I like this one. Let's use that. But the producer who produced the song, probably Dr. Luke, is the one who's gonna be on the hook. So we'll it have seems to see. like it seems like this would be something really hard to prove, unless it was so 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 similar. Is that the case here? Yeah. Obviously, well, since I mean, they won. it's yeah. been a five five years being litigated back and forth. Finally, I mean, and a jury. I mean, this is just the legal system working. Yeah, it's still debatable. I mean, there there's similarities, absolutely. Is it? I mean, 
is it defensible? I mean, the jury said no. So yeah. that's how our legal system works. Yeah, yep. it's tough. I, 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 if I was on the jury, I don't think I would have sided with Flame there. But hey, you know, I'm not on the jury, so it doesn't really matter. You always take Katy Perry's side, though. It's one of your that's fatal, that fatal is flaws. True. That is, You're always going to believe Katy Perry. That is true. It made it awkward when I did that Russell Brand interview. Um, you know, because I, I told him, I told him right out of the gate, Just taking her side here. If she comes up, taking her side. <laughs> he, a little known factor in that interview, he made Russell Crow a Russell Brand cry. So too. yeah, it's. Got very yeah. And Russell Crowe, which is Russell. what made it a crazy interview. <laughs> Russell Crowe threw, th- threw a phone at me. He was so upset. And uh, he's uh, it's, a, it's a dated uh, pop culture. And now Jesse has a little Russell Brand voodoo doll that he haunts him with. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. Oh, it's so sad. I have, yeah, weirdly, a, 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 a doll that looks a lot like Russell Brand and has an English accent. Comes to visit me from time to time and has some very unkind <laughs> oh things gosh. to say. But, uh, you know, blue shirt, yellow shorts. Cost of being <laughs> Well, number four this week on the hot list. Uh, speaking of Christian rappers, two Christian rappers are sitting on top of the Billboard charts this week. So last uh, Friday, we saw the release of uh, new albums from both NF and Chance the Rapper. Chance's The Big Day, which is about his wedding and married life, uh, is expected to hit number one on the Billboard charts, followed by NF's The Search at number two. However, the iTunes on the iTunes album charts, NF sits at number one ahead of both Chance... <gasps> And uh, the collaboration Uh-oh. album from Ed Sheeran. So, Fancy. big, you know, big, big week for Christian rap right now. Yeah. <laughs> There's a whole lot of America that didn't know Christian rappers existed. Now they do. Yeah, now the, they're on uh-huh. the scene. Yeah, yeah now you got, you, go. you got Flame making headlines for the Katy Perry thing. Yeah. You know, Chance, who, you know, I don't think as like a genre really is like a Christian rapper, but he is a Christian who raps and, and NF, you know, who has really become a, like a very successful crossover artist. This is his second album that uh, will be, you know, very close to the top of the Billboard charts. Uh, well, his, his last one hit number one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So good. Good for both of those guys. I like, I, you know, I, I, I don't dislike NF's, uh, 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 you know, music. The thing, the thing is like his is darker, especially this album talks a lot about mental health and it kind of channels that sort of more aggressive, like Eminem vibe. But I do really like, uh, like Chance's album is a great summer, summer banger, you know, I, I would say the consensus about the album is it's a good album, but it's definitely his his worst album of the three. Which you know, one? Chance. Chances yeah. that the two mixtapes were really something special and unique and that this is a continuation, but it's good. Yeah. It's good. Man, that is the problem with being awesome. Right. Yeah. Is that is that what everyone else would consider a very good album because he's already had a home run of an album? Yeah. That's that's brutal. That's the fear of success thing. Yeesh. What have you done for me lately? You know, I'm you notice how I'm quiet over here. I don't know any of this. Okay. I'm sure my kids do. I'm sure they do. <laughs> He's uh I should bring them in. Jamie, you know who Chance the Rapper is, right? I'm I've, sure. I've heard his name. I've never yeah, listened to anything he's ever done. Well, you're about to hear a clip of Chance's song Do You Remember featuring Death Cab for Cutie. Here it is. I know them. There you go. Now you're exposed. Yeah, I know. You know. And, I, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm in. a fan. I'm in. All right. Number three <laughs> this week on the hot list. Uh, activists are urging people to tell Congress not to pass a measure that could make sharing memes 
a $15,000 offense. Now, we talked about this on Relevant what? Daily this week. So the uh, the idea behind the CASE Act, C-A-S-E Act, is essentially to make filing copyright complaints online easier and cheaper. But it could have some serious consequences. The fear is that copyright trolls could use the CASE Act to force internet users into paying between $15,000 and $30,000 for infringing on copyrights. Uh, the act would set up a small claims board in the copyright office that would be in charge of deciding the claims. After they make their decision, there's no appealing it. Um, the issue is, think about what you share on the internet. That GIF of that TV clip that you like or that you know Ross yeah, yeah. from Friends doing a yeah. thing, you tweeting that is copyright infringement according every to time. what this would be. And every one of those could be a $15,000 offense. Or you grabbing a still image from a movie and putting a funny phrase or word on it or a photo of a boyfriend looking back and you put a meme and all $15,000 offenses. Yeah. And there's no appeal. And this is really, you understand it from the content creator standpoint, but, but not really though. This feels like, how would you even do it? Sorry, Jesse. Like how, how are you going to monitor this? Who's in charge of this? But that that's what this act is supposed to do is that it's trying to make it far easier to report violations. And so usually what happens is trolls will like patent trolls, copyright trolls will get in and like bully people into, you know, like, Hey, you're going to get fined $50,000 if we file or if we report you or you can pay us $2,000 to settle it. And like, and so there's like this weird underground economy to, uh, to monitoring this stuff. If something like this gets put in place, but, but, but the, but the problem is like that this is counter to like the intent of what copyright is supposed to protect. So copyright and trademarks are intended to protect the, the intellectual property and the ability of content creators to monetize their product, right? right? So so like basically a copyright, it's like I couldn't take one of your, your guys's books and post it for free on the internet or sell it on my own. Like that is clearly in an- You've already tried that once with my stuff and I was <laughs> mad. Yeah, she was yeah. very mad. She she put a curse on a doll that has been haunting me to <laughs> this day. Um, for, uh, it's going to be a hundred straight days of hauntings for, for stealing a hundred days to brave. And I am, I am 50 days in and I am no braver. No, but like, but the problem with this is the problem with this is like me sharing a, a gif of, you know, Michael Scott screaming the word no doesn't affect the profitability of the office franchise. Like no one is going to see that gif and, you know, because of that, not watch the office on Netflix so they can get residuals or or buy their DVDs. I get your point, but there's something to be said for it took a lot of time and expense and people and money. Somebody paid for that to be created. And then you get to broadcast it for free. I mean, there's a reason why every live sporting event says no images can be reproduced or rebroadcast without express written consent of the people who paid to make the broadcast, you know? Does it matter if you're getting money from it? Like if Jesse's not selling that image. Would yeah. you be okay if somebody copy like photocopied your book and gave it out for free? Like in mass? I mean, is your book the same as your face? I feel like it's two different things because. Yeah, because I feel like the difference is it's the difference between me, you know, uploading a book or me quoting a, a quote, sentence yeah. from a book and yeah, yeah. attributing the quote to the author. Like right. there, there has to be some 
uh, way of denoting what is fair use in content to well, okay, to well quote in, and in written content versus in written content. It is. It's, it's clear. The law is clear. Up to four hundred words with attribution is okay. You cannot reproduce more than that. So a lot of these sites, like in the internet sharing era, yeah. where they're like taking chunks of paragraphs of a New York Times story and they're writing their own blog about it, but it, they're pretty much using 80% of the story. Uh-huh. That, that's not allowed legally. They could only quote up to 400 words legally and it has to have direct link back attribution. That's been clear. Otherwise, it's it's that this is about visual content primarily, gifs, clips, things like that. But but, but the the problem is they're applying media standards that are no longer relevant in the internet era. Like we've seen, like here's the the real problem is this is coming down to our lawmakers who a lot of them, and this isn't me trying to be ageist. This is just the reality are a lot of our lawmakers, the people who are uh, uh, responsible for litigating behavior on the internet are completely ignorant of how the internet works, how people actually use it, what, what the cause and effect of certain laws are with the internet. And this law right now is, you know, the, the, the work of lobbyists who are paying to get in front of lawmakers, you know, that, that are represented yeah, by antiquated, like, the, the people that are pushing this are, you know, the people who are perpetuating antiquated business models and they're, they're grasping at straws to try to stay relevant instead of actually evolving their product to make it more palatable and more, uh, and better for customers. They actually want to penalize customers. And the same thing that's happened to is that, that's, that happened to record companies after the Napster era instead of saying, Hey, why don't we develop our own platform like Spotify instead of suing people? Half those record labels are out of business now because they, they, the strategy is just terrible and always backfires. Because they didn't evolve. Exactly. They right. didn't evolve. Yeah. yeah. So this is news. We talked about this week. This is news because this case act is moving forward in the, in the Senate and the Congress. I mean, it's like actually moving forward. But the pushback is now finally kind of coming up. Um, uh, the Electronic Frontier Foundation um, explained, we've seen some version of the case act pop up for years now. And the problems with the bill have never been addressed satisfactorily. This is still a bill that puts people in danger of huge, unappealable money judgments from a quasi-judicial system, not an actual court, for the kind of internet behavior that most people engage in without thinking. Like if you were honestly to share an image or a meme online that you don't own, you could be sued very quickly. So sued by who? So if someone, so if I start making a bunch of memes with Jamie's face... And she sees it. She can sue me for fifteen thousand dollars per not head. Even, her face, not even the, the person that owns the copyright of the image. So, likely yeah. in that case, unless it's a selfie, the photographer. So, and, and you don't even need to make it. If somebody, if you just saw a meme of well, Jamie's face, I have face, been making them about Jamie. Is the thing. But if Thank you, you, but if you saw promotion, but if you saw one of your friends share a meme of Jamie and you shared it, now you're liable, even if you didn't make it. Right. According That's to what, this. what Jamie said is literally the thing of like. Why wouldn't people want their faces to be shared? I guess it could get. I mean, I guess if it's ugly, Jamie's just never ugly. She's always pretty, so it doesn't help. Uh, people make mean memes. Like they'll make. I, right, like, you're I right, hope you're right. Annie wouldn't make a meme of me that was mean, but somebody might no. take a picture of me, put some really bad words. Like I don't, not bad words, but you know what I mean. Like making fun of me, and that I'd be mad about that. Well, if yeah. Annie made it, she probably would use bad words. <laughs> but, 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 but the pro- but the problem Karen. here too is like. 
the it's the copyright holder that so like let's say i use that picture of like leonardo dicaprio from the gary gatsby uh you know toasting his martini you know with white block letters that says hey good job on the promotion whatever it's not leonardo dicaprio who can sue me he doesn't own that image like that image is owned by the film studio that you know produced the great gatsby same thing Mm -hmm. like you know if a celebrity does like a photo shoot the likely it's the photographer that owns the copyright to those images. So that's where it gets hairy too. And that's where like, so another fear is like copyright trolls can just go buy a bunch of licenses for photos that no one would ever want. And they can just pay money for photos. And then they could do a refer at that point. They could hypothetically, if you had a devious mind like myself, you could do a reverse photo (laughs) search and find out if anyone has ever used those photos. So, Oh, like they do on catfish. So, So essentially like, like, for, can, for I, me, can I even can I speak to that? Like, yeah. like we've this is this is a real law with online media that uh, like copyright trolls are are kind of uh, changing and getting involved in. So if if a if a blog if you posted a blog and did a Google image search for an image and you oh this I've seen this everywhere this must be you know public domain or whatever and you post it and you didn't like vet that you have clear license to use it, but you post it on your blog. You, you know, what Jesse just said is these, these copyright trolls will have gone in and, and bought up, you know, huge libraries like the AP or something like that. And now they're going to go out there and go make their money. And they're going to, what they'll do is they'll do the reverse image search. They'll find everybody who's ever posted that and send them like legal threats. And the legal threats will be, you pay us, Currently, this is or happening else. now. You pay, yeah. you pay this usage, this usage. You owe ten thousand dollars in licensing fees. You pay us, or else we're going to sue you. Right? the The reality is, under the current law, those threats are fairly uh, not enforceable. Yeah, but yeah, toothless because interstate toothless. legal laws, uh, legal laws, interstate <laughs> interstate legality <laughs> would be that they would have to hire a a lawyer in Florida to file a suit in Florida to put it in a Florida court to, to, to sue me. They can't sue me Yikes. from California, you know, whatever. So they would have to charge, they would have to put tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to pursue legal action for me to pay whatever they want for that one photo, right? Well, yeah. They're not going to do that. So what they do is they bully you, bully you, bully you like a bill collector into scaring people. And if they, they just do the wide, the wide thing out of 50 threats, they send two or three people will get terrified and pay something. And then they made their money. Oh my gosh. And so that's what they're doing right now. The case act would actually change things in the sense that we don't have that barrier of interstate state state. legal yeah. walls. Yeah. yeah. Like now there's a quasi judicial platform with no appeals process online where they can just go pop, pop, pop. And then you owe $15,000. You know, it's like, and there's That's no brutal. way to appeal it. It's crazy. Yeah. So yeah. it's past the Senate and it's waiting action by the House. And this is why the timing is interesting. There is a petition at change.org to raise awareness at the, 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 problem, the problematic nature of this bill. So the Action Network's petition to stop the bill explains it this way. In recent years, federal courts have made it easier for regular people to defend themselves from frivolous lawsuits by trolls. But the CASE Act would create a separate 
industry-friendly system for copyright claims up to $30,000 with no option of appeal. The corporate interests pushing this bill through Congress are the same ones that created the SOPA and PIPA. Uh, You know their names. The Copyright Alliance, the Motion Picture Association of America, the Recording Industry Association of America. These corporate lobbyists are obsessed with locking down the internet and making it easy to squeeze every cent out of you, even when that means enabling an army of copyright trolls along the way in, in, in light of this crazy. because this is not law yet i do want to let listeners know that if you uh, <laughs> go wait. find me on twitter right now i have a great deal on two books <laughs> that i will sell to you for 8.99 <laughs> uh if you only knew and remember god these books are fantastic i mean this yeah truly and please buy them from me before this law <laughs> before this law kicks out i love those books <laughs> it's crazy it's crazy. It's going to be interesting to see that what happens. That is so weird. Can you, can you imagine if like the inter- if if Twitter if they just kill memes, that'll be so sad. Instagram and Twitter would fundamentally change. Okay, quick around yes. the table. Um uh uh Jamie, I'll start with you. What is your go-to meme picture like text reply of like a, a random photo or something? You guys, listen. I, I'm all for this, but I don't do that very much. But I have my friend who sends them to me all the time. So I don't have a go-to one. My kids oh. do it. I know, guys. I'm sorry. No, you, know, you, know who, you know who uses them a lot? There's, there's this artist, Chance the Rapper. Chance the Rapper. <laughs> yeah, you would you'd really like him. I always, the- I always use, people always, I don't know why people do this. People on Twitter always accuse me of absurd things all the time. I get accused of weird things. I don't know why. I don't know what I've done to set myself up for that, but I always use the same one. And it's Walt White, like when Hank, you know, says, I think you're Heisenberg. And he goes, you got me. And I just use, you got me over and over again. Go ahead, accuse me away. I send that to copyright trolls who are trying to sue me. I just go, you got me. And I just hope the lawsuit goes away. Uh, so far, I so use, good. Um, the whale from, the big whale from Finding Nemo saying thank you. When he's talking underwater, he says, thank you. <laughs> I use that a lot. I use Beyonce in a concert where she says, thank you so much. I use that a lot. Oh, I'm so barely- you're, you're just, you have so many compliments online. You have. No, no, no. I don't. I'm, I'm thinking more of texting when someone mm-hmm. says, hey, I got this taken care of. I'm like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. And I'll do Beyonce doing mm-hmm. that. But also any I mean, I will use them. I always look through them. That's a real sign to me when I'm texting with someone like a friend or a dude when I'm like, how who's going to drop the first meme and how is this going to go and how often are these going to be used? I think it's a real signal of friendship. Oh. Jamie and I have survived without them. I'm going to need you guys to send me some memes today. I will do that, I, and oh, then I will subpoena happening. both of your phones to look through your text threads and see <laughs> what kind of violations I'm going to cash in on because somebody is <laughs> buying up a lot of memes right now. <laughs> I I have a hard time double dipping on the memes. I I, I find like it, once it's you've a, used it's, it, it's an art craft to me. It's like it's like it's a I don't know like the the creative pursuit of the perfect meme that not, that they haven't I 100% seen. Hundred percent agree yet. with you. You know, like to me, like agree with finding you. the obscure one that just nails it. That's what I want. Have y'all ever used the one where it's the um the goose who's uh playing like he's a DJ and he's using lily pads as his uh, t- turntables from a Geico commercial. That's or it's an Apple commercial funny. or something. That's funny. Huh. Oh Lord, you're the worst. I'm sending it to you every day for the next 30 days. <laughs> Just unoriginal. Can't double dip. It's like wearing the same same outfit to you know speak in. No, I just you got, it's, my, you, you it's on do brand. That. It's branding. Hey, you're talking the wrong girls because Jamie and I wear the same outfits to speak in all the. You know who time. else has superheroes? You guys are you in get good a good company. one. 
Yeah. Superheroes. <laughs> All right, coming in at number two this week, uh, Stephen Colbert and Pete Holmes had a long discussion about their thoughts about Christianity and their religious upbringings. Um, Colbert was Pete's guest for a recent live show of his podcast, You Made It Weird. And though the two discussed a broad range, broad range of topics, including politics, comedy, and anxiety, they both opened by talking about their religious upbringings and later pivoted to theology. Colbert talked about his secret love for Christian radio and joked about the difference between evangelicals and Protestants. Uh, he also talked about disagreeing with church leaders and grappling with his church's teachings about Christ. Here's a clip. Mm. What is best about my church, which I perceive as someone who grew up in the low country of South Carolina, is like a cluster of oysters. And when you go to an oyster roast, and there's a cluster of oysters there covered with mud and, and, and dirt and seaweed, and somebody's hosed it off, and they put it in a steamer or on a fire to open it up and you put on a big old oyster gloves mm-hmm. and you cut yourself up and you take a knife and you work your way through and some of those oysters are full of meat and sweet and some of them full of mud and some might have a little crab in it or something like that. I, and I'm sure that this is not the way my church would want me to do it. That's how I look at the last 2,000 years of my church is I'm going through this cluster, this aggregate of everything that has grown on top of the words of Christ and the story of Christ and the gift of Christ. And I try to take from it what is nourishing. Now, because I feel like I can disagree with my church you know, and pick and choose like that, there's a word for that, and it's called a Protestant. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing shade, but I like it. Throwing shade, but, but I do love that analogy of like, look, you know, people distort the core message over time, and it, 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 you know, it evolves in probably unintended ways, but you know, the core of it is still there, and that's what it's important not to lose. Um, it's always, it's, those are two guys. I was really excited for that long form conversation because I like both of those guys ability to kind of talk openly about their thoughts on faith, but also their insecurities about their, their own beliefs. And it's, it's out now. We can listen to it on his podcast, on Pete's podcast. Yeah, You made it weird. If, if you, uh, don't have the clean filter on your Apple music, because I can't listen to Pete's podcast because it won't let me download any oh. episodes because I have the clean filter. Come on, Pete. Oh. And actually, I won't be able to listen to Annie's podcast either. Stop it, Karen. I, I actually have the vulgar filter and I only listen to just horrible, horrible things. It sends it right to my phone that just downloads it. Uh, just a lot of awful stuff. But this is a little gem, a little, this was a, this is a little oyster meat in the pile of jagged seashells. <laughs> That is my podcast feed. <laughs> All right. Coming in number one this week on the hot list, a new Netflix docuseries looks at the secretive world of the National Prayer Breakfast. I have been. What? Have You've been. been to that. Yeah, many times. Hey, Jamie, have you ever been? <gasps> no, I haven't, but I would go. Yeah. Jamie and I would love to go. Can y'all get us invitations? Let's all go. Yeah, seriously. You can't. You can't just wait. Buy just wait till you just wait till we get through this hotless item. Then you'll you'll question if you'll really I know how to pray. I can do this. The film is called The Family, and it examines the origins of the National Prayer Breakfast and the group known as the Fellowship, or in some circles, the family that organizes it. The annual events have been happening in Washington since the early 50s and draw some of the most powerful people in the world. Though the events attended by Christian leaders from across the theological spectrum, from Reverend Jim Wallace to IJM founder Gary Haugen, uh, the group Point of Grace, Michael W. Smith have all attended in recent years, uh, Markham Roma Downey, I mean, um, a bunch of people. It, it recently has made headlines for some more ominous reasons. Officials say a woman named Maria Butina infiltrated the event in 2016 and 17. 
I was there both years. I was about to say uh-huh. you were there those years, weren't you? Yeah. Keep going, Wait, keep going. What's you, happening, Vladimir? And um, <laughs> has since pled guilty to quote felony charges of conspiracy <gasps> to act as an unregistered foreign agent of the Russian state. No, she's now in prison. There was a spy at your yes. prayer breakfast. Yes. Hey, Cameron, how was the prayer breakfast, comrade? <laughs> oh my gosh investigative reporter oh, Jeffrey this Charlet, is unbelievable who's an executive producer for this series and authored a book about the family told Vox that he believes the national prayer breakfast is used by the family to circumvent the state department they are arranging meetings with a real who's who of nasty figures uh, the kind of government leaders from foreign nations who might not otherwise have access to American power but who the family in pursuit of their strongman vision of Jesus thinks are actually anointed by God for leadership. How could Here's, I, this is impossible? So I've never heard of anything even close to this. <laughs> Here's a clip of the trailer. In my 20s, I stumbled my way in. And what I found is a secretive Christian organization called The Family that had been hiding in plain sight for over 80 years. This was a group with tentacles around the world. A humble example of leadership that the world has never seen. A breathtaking enmeshment of church and state. There were congressmen, senators, world leaders. And they say it's about faith, but there's a shared understanding that what we're really about here is power. I'd like to single out Doug Coe. Doug Coe and all of his associates. I'm grateful. Doug Coe is the longtime leader of the family. He's the most powerful man in Washington you've never heard of. He said the more invisible you can make your organization, the more influence it will have. Jesus plus nothing. It's a powerful thing. Using the National Prayer Breakfast, they dispatch representatives to build relationships with foreign leaders. That is exactly the kind of meeting that I would want to exploit. For the family, Jesus says you must go to those who are in positions of power. God always uses imperfect vessels to do his perfect work. President Trump's an imperfect vessel. Jesus is the answer, but Jesus and Capitol Hill don't mix. Just to be clear, just to be clear, every president has spoken at the National Prayer Breakfast and and attends every year. Obama did and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're telling me that the (laughs) National Prayer Breakfast, which is in May of every year, am I right about this? I've never been invited, but maybe Cameron will take Annie and I next time. It's about a month after Easter. So yeah. yeah. Okay. So you're telling me that this is started by the family. Mm -hmm. That's what they call themselves. The fellowship. The fellowship. Yep, this yeah. sounds like someone who, like, we see, we read about People Magazine where they all drink uh-huh. the Kool Aid or something. Uh huh. And it's the prayer breakfast. I mean, just uh, just treading treading a little lightly. Friends, national leader, friends of yours are involved. Just yeah. FYI, me? you're what? talking to me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Us? What? All of us. Of all of us. Of all of us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, They're a part so, of the family. So, so so there is there is very much the ministry and impetus of this where. This organization wants to help Christian senators and freshman congressmen find connection and they have weekly prayer meetings together and they study the scripture together and they are just trying to surround them with, you know, like-minded strength because it's Washington is a crazy place. I like that all. Yeah. And so then it went to, we have buildings and, and housing all around Capitol Hill that we can provide for these Government leaders. As I am dying dead over here. And and then it's almost like Christian dorms. So essentially, <gasps> and then it's like now there's meetings behind the scenes and other world leaders coming in. And like the more you kind of like, 
I didn't. I'm not involved in this at all, or uh, really aware of that world at all. But like some friends. I mean, you're of, kind of aware, comrade. You're well, a little no, 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 bit no. aware. I've become aware in the last few years because it's like some friends of ours and famous Christian authors and people that we know, like, would talk about it, and I'm like, "Oh, you're involved in that? Oh, I've heard." And I would just start asking questions, and it's like, "Oh, this is this goes really deep. This Whoa. is really interesting." Gosh. I've met Doug Coe, the guy who's yeah. just referenced. I mean, I have but, you met the Russian spy? No, no, no. Did you meet her? Oh, he would never tell us. The issue is, too, there are potential pay-to-play implications where for certain donations, oh, I can come to this meeting. Oh, and for a certain donation, you can sit at a table with that center. All of a sudden, what you have is like Saudi leaders, the same people who, you know, openly... You know, approve the dismemberment of a wash of a critical Washington Post journalist sitting next to a Christian senator and getting yeah. his ear on this new oil legislation. And what what the implications are? It 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 has the potential when you mix power, money, and people's well intended faith. Oftentimes, that 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 mix can become pretty volatile, especially in a place like Washington, where the the people like the Russians aren't playing fair. You know, this woman. Uh, uh, who is now in prison for being a Russian spy for infiltrating the national prayer breakfast, you know, she entered into like, the, you know, there are stories of her entering into like romantic relationships for the purposes of, uh, you know, basically espionage. And so oh, when you have wow. a place that has this level of power, you know, it, it, and, and, and has this, degree of credibility they like Cameron right. was saying every president no it's a, it's a bipartisan thing this isn't like yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. this is targeting the, the you cha- know the chairmen are yeah. one there's one democrat one run republican yeah, right, this is right, not right. a partisan thing at all and it's yeah. not a trump it's i mean it's not like a new thing with like the trump era yeah, yeah. of evangelical right. power or anything like that this has yeah. been since the 50s the the thing that's you know again there's this like straightforward earnest like let's support our leaders who are Christians, let's 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 bring prayer to the halls of the Capitol Hill. Let's pray for our leaders, pray for our I country. Love it. Yeah. 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 All that is like very strong and good. What Jesse's talking about is this I don't yeah. the question is the behind the scenes intent. Is there this like undercurrent intentionally, or is it just a byproduct of what has emerged over the decades yeah. you know what i mean and like, where it's or, getting or like distorted both, you know or a little yeah. distorted yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, this is a netflix documentary you said cameron yeah 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 it's a docuseries yeah it's five i think it's five episodes and it and it uh will have you be already watched August. it jesse no no i i've read a lot so the 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 an executive producer of this is is an is a journalist who wrote a book called the family that was published i think it was published in 2017 or 2018 uh but i i had read a lot of his work um so I've, I've been kind of interested in the story, but yeah, this five part series will be. Jesse out hasn't before. gotten to it because he's been watching the glass blowing competition. Blown yeah, that's away. right. You've been blown away. <laughs> blown away by blown away. <laughs> Round three on that. Uh, just keep it on the loop. And I can't believe it. I mean, people made, you know, a full breakfast plate out of glass by hand. It's unbelievable. Eggs and everything. Sausages. Unbelievable. unbelievable. Okay, can I can I ask one more question about this before I go on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gonna, sure. I'm going to lose sleep over this. Jamie, go. So I feel like I was mean to the family about comparing them to people who drink Kool-Aid and then all die. Are you saying that the family, the people who put this on might not intentionally know what's happening and they just have great hearts towards this? Or you're saying it's gotten blurry. I would say I don't know any. I don't know is my official 100 percent answer. I don't know. My 
assumption based on the people who I know support the fellowship, which just fellowship. sounds culty, but it's not. It does. You know, I mean, it, it, I should say the they, okay. their hearts are in it for the right reasons that it's like, we just want to have support Christians in leadership and okay. have a Christian witness on Capitol Hill. That's their, the people I know that's their yeah. intention behind it. Okay. I take in back the, my mean in comment. the halls of power. The blending of church and state and the manipulation of money and power and access is a slippery slope. Things get yeah. blurry. And one person, then all of a yeah. sudden the whole thing unravels. And it's just like, I don't care how many well-intentioned people are involved. If there's a couple bad seeds, the whole thing can get really, really shady really fast. You know, so just like know. this podcast with Jesse. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> then I've been and now we have to have an E on it. And I can't even download it anymore been, because I've been spying for the Russian government for years and I've produced no valuable intel. They don't even want me anymore. I've just volunteered. No, but like, you know, honestly, Man. look, I mean, this dates back to there. I'm not I don't want to make a direct comparison, but I'm saying human nature when you when you mix influence and power and human nature is very susceptible. I mean, you have, you know, Ju it wasn't like Judas didn't like Jesus. They were buddies, you know, but he had a price. A lot of people through the Bible have made mistakes because power and money are extremely, you know, seductive. And I'm not saying they're guilty of that. I'm just making a comment about human nature and yeah, things, yeah. you know, bad things have, yeah. have always happened when those things all culminate. A, a very wise friend of mine, uh, a mentor friend, older. Uh, I'm right here. Something, you know, there was this, <laughs> you know, kind of a fork in the road for me about an opportunity in politics. And I'm not political, but, he, you know, he, he reached out and he said, hey, listen, the thing about politics, it, it, you as a, you know, representing your position in, in, in Christianity and they, they know who you reach and who you have access to, politics will chew you up and spit you out. You may engage it with good intentions, but it's going to use you, co-op you and take your integrity. And he's like, and there's oh, no Lord. coming back from that. He's like, you know, and, and, and people get swept up in it, get swept up in the access to power and the pursuit of power and stuff like that. And it's it's a slippery slope, and we've seen honestly we're seeing it a lot now with the evangelical leaders, where it's just like suckling at the teat of Trump, and it's just yeah. like, yikes, y'all, where's Jesus in this message? I mean, yeah. this pro nationalism thing. I, I mean, it's it's scary, and well, and seeing, seeing the distortion of the church and 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 politics is like murky. And so you go back to the original intent of what National Prayer Breakfast was about and things like that. It was like a witness, and it was support and things like that. But in the era we're in, everything's so corrupted and blended. It's just like, it's just kind of gross and scary, you know? Yeah, One thing I would like to see come out of this, especially the show today, is I'd like to see a meme created of Cameron saying suckling at the teat of Trump, if we That's could right. get that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if, if our friends could get right on that. I'm on it right now. Publish right. away, and I'll be <laughs> laughing all the way to the tune of $15,000 a pop. So, <laughs> and listen, meme me away too, people. Meme me away too. I know it'd be a funny one. Is that right, comrade? <laughs> Just meme it, meme it, meme it, meme it. <laughs> Bring some my kids right. to college on those lawsuits. All right, that'll do right. it for. It's the hottest, the hottest. It's sizzling. All right, stay tuned. Up next, Brooke Ligertwood joins us. I am ready for, ready for, ready for, ready for me. 
listening to Alicia Cara. Long is ready. Well, today's show is brought to you by Samaritan Ministries. Samaritan Ministries is a healthcare sharing ministry with over a quarter of a million Christians caring for one another's needs from broken bones to cancer, pregnancies to organ transplants, all without the use of insurance. Honestly, talking about insurance is just about as much fun as getting a tooth pulled, which is <laughs> just ironic because it's also a medical thing. Um, paying those monthly premiums can be just about as painful too. That's why I love talking about Samaritan Ministries instead because it's not insurance. It's a group of people, over 80,000 households to be exact, that love Jesus and have decided to help each other out with their medical bills. Samaritan Ministries members send financial gifts to one another when there's a medical need, plus provide spiritual care through prayer and encouragement. The monthly cost for an entire family has never exceeded $495 in the last 25 years. Also, I love that being part of a ministry like this really frees a person up to focus on what they're most interested in, just living their best life. These Christians are able to do that with Samaritan Ministries because they know that with when an illness or injury happens, other Samaritan members have their backs. If you'd like to learn more about how you can be a part of this ministry, helping each other with health care, visit SamaritanMinistries.org slash relevant. Go do it. I love countercultural business I love models. it. I'm a member. Let's go. Let's go. That's yeah, awesome. Brooke Ligertwood is a singer and songwriter with Hillsong Worship. Uh, the groups just released their brand new theologically dense single, King of Kings, in preparation for a new album. The band is also releasing a new Spanish language album this month and is preparing for a massive fall tour. We recently spoke with Brooke about the single and the importance of presenting big biblical ideas and worship songs. Here is Jesse's conversation with Brooke Ligerwood. Congrats on uh, the new single, King of Kings. Man, what a what a powerful song. Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening to it. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to, to, to jump right in and, and talk about the track. You know, I I was listening to it earlier, and it's got to be one of the most, like, theologically kind of dense songs <laughs> that I've heard in a long... In a good way. It's almost like... It's almost like a hymn where you feel like you have, like, a theology lesson in wrapped in this really you know, kind of catchy, powerful song. Can you tell me a little bit about what the inspiration was for writing it? Yeah, I think, um, so my husband, Scott, and I um, went to Nashville to hang out with our friend Jason Ingram um, for a little bit last year. And um, and we kind of decided to, 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 you know, break out some instruments and see what happened. And um, he had um, what he felt like was a chorus melody, which actually ended up being the verse melody. And it's so um, kind of simple, and uplifting and repetitive that um, we got really excited because I think whenever you have a melody like that that has um, has a lot of simplicity and repetition, it gives you an opportunity to fit a lot of words in there. And um, what a, what a better use of a lot of words than to um, to attempt to um, recount you know the greatest story that there is to tell. And um, and we were and, and it just really kind of came together and we were excited to be able to. Um, to, yeah, to try and capture, I guess, um, 
the, the, the heart of the gospel and, and, and a little bit and tell the story of the church. Um, for us, it's, it's pretty exciting that, um, that things didn't end with the resurrection, but they began with the resurrection in a way, um, certainly for us as the church. Um, and so I, I think um, attempting to capture that in a song was a really uh, exciting and rewarding challenge um, for us. And, um, and we're really encouraged. So if, I mean, the song's only been out, I think, a week, maybe a week and a half or something. But um, we've been really, really encouraged by the response so far from the church because um, that's really what we what we want to do is we want to equip and empower the church with songs that kind of, you know, remind her of who she is and, and give, her, give her people weapons, you know, to put in their mouths and arm their everyday. You know, I, I saw on the on the Hillsong Worship Twitter uh, feed there was a you know kind of a little teaser video for the song, and you were on there, and you talked about how you know this song kind of had an emotional impact on you. Can you talk a little bit about what you know struck kind of that emotional chord while you were writing the song? Yeah, um, well, I think you know with, when it comes to writing for for our church and for the church, I think one of the most important um, things that we must hold on to as writers is, is to be open-handed um, and really not to be precious about anything, but for everything to be an offering, you know. Um, and so when it, we we started work on our, our new album at the beginning of this year and King of Kings um, was, was finished and it was done, but I actually didn't bring it to the pre-production process um, until further on because, um, you know, I wanted to, I wanted hear everybody what everybody else had and we were workshopping these songs and as we got a few weeks in I realized that we didn't have a song that touched on at that point anyway we didn't have a song that um that touched on the gospel or that touched on the cross and um obviously when we're we're creating a project we want to be able to provide people with you know a feast so that there's you know um songs of reflection songs of declaration um and everything in between and um and certainly um making sure that um that across the breadth of a project that there's distinct biblical themes which can which vary from project to project but obviously a theme that God's people always need to think about is is um, what Jesus has done and so um, we got a few weeks in and um, we we didn't have a, sto- a, a song that really told that story yet and so with almost some reluctance I said you know I, Scotty and I have this song um, I haven't brought it yet but maybe we should just run it and see what happens and um, so I played the the band, the little very basic demo that we had, we went into the room and started workshopping it and um, the, the presence of God as we played through the song that first time was undeniable and the reason, I think there's even some there's some footage of, of, of that very first time we ever ran it and um, I kind of became over overcome at the end of, at the end of the take um, because I was so overwhelmed with the sense that the Father loves it when we sing about the Son. That the Father loves it when we sing about um, about Jesus and and Jesus's obedience.
That was Brooke Lagerwood. Stay tuned up next. It's Ask the Cast. Listening to Slender Bodies. Song is away from you. All right, it's time for. All right, this will be a fun one. We went on Twitter and asked you guys for your questions this week. You hit us up at Relevant Podcast. Here's a few that I will You've done this before, right, Jamie? To the team. Yes, and it stresses me out. Yeah, I know. That's right. There we go. <laughs> hey, just just know the stakes are very low. You can say absurd things and there's never any consequences. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. That's I've how learned. you behave. That doesn't right. mean it's true. That Listen, listen. people want raw, unfiltered honesty. And mm-hmm. if we, listen, I know that that three... That that four of the five of us are perfectly okay with putting profanity right into our ears via podcast. So fire away, Jamie and Annie. This isn't really like a question. I, I'm more cons- I'm more interested in his story than our answers. But Tanner asked, "I serve at a church, and this Sunday is my last Sunday. How do I leave okay. a lasting impression?" I don't know that you want to leave a lasting impression. I want to know why is this Sunday your last Sunday. That's what I'm curious. Maybe, maybe, maybe he stood up on a stage in a devil suit and did the announcements. <laughs> and Screw tape letter style. Uh, yeah. I say, I say you do go back and play that, that, you know, wonderful Stephen Colbert clip where he does a visual analysis, uh, uh, ana- you know, analogy of a giant pile of gross oysters and then cutting them and <laughs> shucking out the small bits of meat and throwing out the shells. Just bring the oysters right in there and just perform that. Everyone remember, and who doesn't like a good oyster roast on a Sunday? What's that Jim Carrey movie? Is it Liar Liar, where he just says whatever comes to his mind and he can't stop himself? That's what I wish this guy would do. I wish he would get up and just free flow whatever he thinks and then walk out the door. Listen, I got a great one. I got a great idea. You implement on your, just take the stage during that open mic. I don't know what your role in service is. I don't know what kind of access you have to your mic, but just figure it out. Just get up there, grab the mic and go, attention, everyone. It is Secret Sin Sunday. Come on down. We're going to clear the air, get it off your chest in the deepest, darkest. The stuff you want no one to know about. Secret Sin Sunday, come on down. And you're like, I'm just going to start pointing at people. I'm just going to, and I'm going to start naming sins. How about this? I'll name a sin. And you raise your hand if this affects you. Someone is embezzling. Oh Who's embezzlement? Over there, Rick. Rick's been embezzling. Rick. Oh, who's this? Oh, this is actually, she's a, a Russian spy that's infiltrated the National Prayer Breakfast. That's a good secret sin. Come on, I want more stuff like that, people. Matt asks, why does Annie dislike <gasps> cats? The animal, not the musical. My wife and I are huge Annie fans, but we were upset to learn she doesn't like one of God's mm. creatures. Oh, why don't you like oh, cats, Annie? Uh, I don't not like cats. I just don't. I, I, this whole cats thing has really taken on a life let, of its let own. Me, let me address it. Taken on nine lives of its own. Oh, that's good, Jamie. J- Jamie, are you a cats person? No, 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 no. I don't like cats. Okay. Oh, see, I, just wanna... I don't. I mean, I think they're. I think 
think they're fine. I don't own one. I don't want one in my house, but I'm perfectly fine if someone has, if the, my friends who are just sending this message in, if they have a cat in their house, that's fine. I just don't want one in my house I'll per say, se. Well, let me just say this. This person is clearly, him and his wife have had their feelings hurt by someone that they trust, who they consider a friend. Yeah, and yeah. this goes for Annie. This goes for Jamie. This goes for Cameron and Chandler. You're oh on the fence too. I don't even know where you stand with the doll situation, <laughs> but I'll say this. They'll hurt you. They'll hurt you publicly. And it's just what they do, whether it's about pet preferences, whether you taking a joke too far, whether about it be, you know, pretending to be a Russian spy. There's no sense of humor in this group. So just, I, I don't know what to tell you. I just, don't know what to tell you. Lord mercy. This is a real question. Clara asks, oh, she says, no. I'm trying to invent a new career for myself. I have a BA in French. I love writing, musicals, old books, traveling alone, filmmaking and photography, but I'm an expert in nothing, nor have I any exceptional gifts or experiences. Ideas? Anyone? Even if this doesn't get on the show. Clara's really looking for some career Clara. advice here. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I need Claire to have a little more uh, a little more uh, self-esteem here. Yeah, come on, Claire. Confidence, Clara. I need to talk to Clara about how she feels about herself. I feel like the two smartest people, Jamie and Annie, need to go first. And then, uh, you know, Cameron, right. me and you, because I, well, I got I, something. Annie, being the expert of, uh, she has a, a roadmap. In about 100 days, we can get Clara That's right. A lot That's more right. Brave. Clara, send me your address and I'll mail you 100 days to Brave. And then we can talk in November. <laughs> or Jesse's probably selling it on his webpage, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get a direct from Jesse. <laughs> made a lot. Made a lot. Oh, and, and, Jesse, and, what's hey, your good, idea? Hey, good luck trying to file copyright, too, because I tore out the last chapter and it's 99 pages to brave and that's mine <laughs> i own that annie i own that first uh, jamie do you have any advice for is it sarah you said clara sarah? Clara. Clara. clara clara sounds like she needs to hit the road to be like a travel writer or something she needs to go to france she needs to take some pictures she needs to start uh. a blog but i think clara just wow. also needs to like annie said clara, yes. you got a lot in you you are something you will be something clara we believe in you clara yeah. we believe in you we need you to talk about yourself more positively <laughs> I, I will say this. If I were you, I had right down to that French embassy because I heard a lot of governments are looking for bilingual people to infiltrate the national prayer breakfast. So it's, uh, I don't know what the going price is, but uh, it's wide open from my understanding. It's a you get paid really well, but there is a chance you end up in jail. It's oh, a yeah. risk you take. You, you, could, you could end up in a government black site uh, or Guantanamo Bay, but uh, you know. I heard Wait, what did you say? A government what? Black site, like it's what where is they, that, Jesse? No, it's a whole rabbit hole. You're gonna hey, Google it after and enjoy government black site trip down. I much prefer when you tell me really weird things about the government. I don't know what it is either. Well, Annie, Annie has a proclivity towards Jesse's conspiracy <laughs> affinity, but hundred percent. But, but Jesse has. Gone down all the wormholes. Annie, oh. we find out from time to time, like this one, does not yet even know about that wormhole. <laughs> yeah, Annie, yeah, just, yeah. Just, just lock the door for the weekend and yeah, just fire just up the laptop. Just have fun learning <laughs> about it. Say what it's called one more time. A black site? Black site, yeah. yeah oh, I wrote it down. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. Uh, Rodrigo, I don't, know, I don't know his motive for this. I'm concerned <laughs> cool. about the question. It, it, seems, it feels problematic to me. Rodrigo asks... If you could fire someone from any business or church, who would it be and why? Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to really church, answer this. Rodrigo. If you could fire someone from any business, any business or, or, church, or church, who would it be and okay. why? <laughs> I'm mean, like, okay. what? I'll say what this. Happened to you? I'll start. I know you will. My answer would have not been this, you know, up until an hour ago. Yeah. I have a podcast that I listen to extensively several times a week. And I consider the people on there my friends. 
they turned on me and they deserve to be fired and give me Russian spies for all I care because they can't hurt me any worse than a couple other people I know. Who would you right. guys fire? All right. Okay. And Eric, last question. Eric, now if you, I don't know if you know, because this isn't as big of a deal in our world as it used to be, but apparently right now it's Shark Week. Shark Week's is, going on right yes. now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately for me and my household, a few years ago, Shark Week jumped the shark. Yeah, uh, me too. So I haven't even tuned in. But here is some Shark Week questions from Eric. Uh, shark gummies or Swedish fish? That's one. Shark gummies. I didn't even know there was a, such a thing as shark gummies. Yeah, they're blue, yeah, they're blue with white. And- oh, they're blue and white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And shark gummies for sure. All day. Jamie? Neither. I don't like candy. What? She's so rich. She doesn't even like candy. I like chocolate. She just eats fancy I don't things. like candy. Yeah. Neither. Gotcha. I won't I won't eat them. She's bonbons Wait, you don't or eat nothing. Any candy, Jamie? Nothing. I'm not gonna ever choose candy. I, I mean chocolate. If you nothing. ask me cool ranch or cheesy, that's a decision I'd have to make. The Doritos. Candy, sure. I'm out. I don't care. Mm. I would wow, say Swedish fish are disgusting and a disappointment as candy. I don't like <laughs> Swedish things. And, you know, I'm you don't like kind of got to be in a fish mood. To be modern wow, design. you don't like Swedish things? That is a really strong statement. Including including Swedes. Including oh. the people. What about the chef? I, listen, I don't, need, I don't need some arrogant Swede telling me that I'm wrong about something. And <laughs> I will take the sharks all day. Uh, wow. What's your favorite shark-related fact? Do you have a favorite shark-related fact? This is also from Eric. He has a couple of uh, Shark Week questions here. Oh, my favorite shark-related fact. Uh, I don't know that I know enough shark-related facts. Yeah, I know something. Okay. Okay. Because I was at the hair salon yesterday with my daughter getting her hair done, and Shark Week was on. So I learned something. I'm ready for this conversation. Did you know that sharks, you know, there's this myth that if you're bleeding, like if you have a cut, that you're going to attract the sharks. It's false. They're not interested in human blood. Interesting. Really? What? Wait, are you sure? I, I just what they told me on the TV. If you're in the ocean and someone's fishing and there's cut up fish, you need yeah. to get out of the water. Yeah, yeah. Because they want the fish, they not the humans. Blood. There you go. They want yep. fish blood. You know, years ago, I tweeted out some shark facts at Shark Week. I don't know if I can find them. I, I've only, I, I, I never really tweet, but I think, I, you know, these are, these are obvious. I used to love Shark Week and now I hate it because it's dumb and about mythical sharks like yeah, it's, it's fake documentaries fake. Yeah. um but did you guys Wait, know shark week is fake documentaries like police like uh police live pd um, live pd no 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 no. The no literally just like cg like you know they'll do like a fake two-hour documentary about like the megadon and a shark yeah. and it's right, like right, right. this fictitious shark and it's a fake documentary the whole thing's like a movie dumb. it's dumb it's not shark oh, week anymore so dumb. It used yeah. to be educational yeah. Well, well, hold on. Did you guys know that the shark's favorite thing to do are to jump out of the water and do like sweet moves when someone drags like a fake seal behind a boat? That's shark. That's shark week. That's all it is, guys. It, all it is mm. is people dragging stuff behind the boats and watching them jump up in the air in slow-mo. That's what it is. There's one guy on the boat with a clipboard making notes. He's usually like a Swedish yeah. scientist or something. That's yeah. all. That's all. I'm not that's, ascertaining that's anything for that. That's original shark week and that's how it should have stayed. Okay. How about this? Shark week's and I dare you to prove me wrong. Sharks are the only animal you can ethically punch right in the face on TV and nobody cares. There's all these oh, specials that are swimming down Hold there on. and the sharks Hold are coming on. at you and then you see people like pop, pop and they're, and they're, it's like for some reason we're cool 
socially with punching no, sharks right in the face? No, I think if you're in danger, you're allowed to punch no, no, no. any They're animal in the face. I saw Mythbusters go down there and they just punch them in the face just to punch them in the face. Like they weren't, they were antagonizing the sharks and then boxing them. Could you imagine doing that? I saw, me and Cameron one time saw a guy box a kangaroo at a basketball halftime it show and it was very disturbing. It was incredibly disturbing. I think sharks... You know, Hold there's on. no wonder why they want no. to bite people. They're getting punched in the face <laughs> under there. But I don't go. I don't. What if, what if someone came into my house and just yeah. punched me in the face for no reason? No reason. Well, are you trying to eat them if they come in your house? No, but who knows if the shark's trying to eat you? He's just coming up to say hi or what are yeah, you doing I mean, in my house? If an animal is biting me or or it gets close enough that it could bite me, I can see a world where I punch it in the face. A bear. I saw a bear when I was in Colorado. Jamie, two weeks ago at Lost Valley, there was a bear yeah. that was literally beside me. I was inside, it was outside, but he was beside me, and I thought, I'd punch that bear in the face. And then that bear would eat you. Yeah, then the bear would eat you. But I'm still saying, people would go like, did y'all hear that Annie punched a bear in the face? And people wouldn't be like, Oh, that's sad. They'd be like, she did. I bet. No, if it, like, this, they this, wouldn't be angry with me for punching a bear in the face. Yeah, but the scientists on Shark Week are like, what many people don't know is the area on the point of the shark's nose, though he is strong and mighty all over, is very insensitive, is very sensitive to touch. And then you see some scientists down there punching one in the face and watching it swim away. It's like, I would have believed you. I didn't need to see you punch it. <laughs> that she's just messed up. Leave him alone. No wonder they're so mad all the time. All right. Last question. Emily. Emily says, I'm having my wedding at my home church in April. Congratulations. Uh, Because it's sort of old school, we can't have dancing at the reception. So what are some fun activities we can plan to keep our guests entertained? Find a new church. I would say I would say maybe play some cards or something, but if they don't allow dancing, they probably aren't cool with face cards either. So maybe like Dutch Blitz or, or one of the ones that yeah, the you're just going to have to feed them really well because people are not down. I mean, if or just have if you're trying to have the shortest reception in the history of the world, you're doing it. Don't feed them well and don't have dancing and everybody will be out in 40 minutes. Listen, from 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 my experience with church congregations that aren't cool with dancing, the most fun thing that they do in recreational time is to preach fire and brimstone services, sermons. <laughs> so you could always dust that one off. People love that. There you go. We uh, got nothing for her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. We didn't help her at all. Sorry. I mean, cornhole's sure. fun. No, yeah. you're not going to do cornhole <laughs> at a wedding reception. <laughs> I'm just helping. You just do yeah. a dinner and then you do the, the toast and then you cut the cake and yeah, then you're you, done. You do a toast with some sparkling apple cider and you... <laughs> yeah, that's for sure true. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for this week's edition of... If you got something you know, now's the time to ask. It's Ask the Cast. Awesome. Well, many thanks to Brooke Ligerwood for joining us. Uh, their new single, Hillsong Worship's new single, King of Kings, is out now. You should go check it out. Also, thanks to Samaritan Ministries for making the episode possible. If you'd like to learn more about how you can be part of this ministry helping each other with health care, visit SamaritanMinistries.org slash relevant. Also, a little internal note, season two of my podcast, Unedited with Cameron Strang, debuted this week. My guest is Christine Kane. You should go check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Also, issue 100 of Relevant is out now. Uh, Make sure to check it out at Newsstands Nationwide and at relevantmagazine.com. There's a lot of amazing 
content in our it's a special issue issue congrats to you guys thank you oh, that's thank a you. lot of magazines thank you that it's a lot of magazines nice. there you go that's very nice uh well on that note we'll wrap things up thanks for uh being on with us jamie it's always fun this was fun i like the gender equality mix the gender equality yeah. episode listen you good. put me and jamie in the same room we're gonna have a good time it's what we do that's it's right. what we know you guys, as long as there's no dancing and there's sparkling cider involved, I'm cool with it. Anything, you know, let's be careful what we say A with fun. A few creepy dolls and you are there. <laughs> All right, on that note, we'll wrap it. I'm Cameron Strang. Jim Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Annie F. Downs. I'm Jamie Ivey. We will see you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend, everyone. listening to the relevant podcast if you like what you heard be sure to leave us a review on itunes check out other shows from the relevant podcast network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com and while you're there browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store make sure to subscribe to relevant magazine info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe Come play with me. Relevant Podcast Network.